Hi, and welcome to a special edition of the Video Talks podcast. This is the uh, little bit where normally there's a poignant message and somebody's talking over the intro in, um, uh, with an echo. This time, it's me. Hey, and welcome to, as I said, a special edition of Video Talks, uh, the podcast where I talk to creators, commissioners, and everyone in between about the business of video, um, trying to help people who are getting started with video. You might be a creator, you might be a videographer. There are plenty of tips to um, pick up from experts in their field of vision, in brackets. I kind of like that phrase. I don't know if it works. Um, So yeah, if you're getting started with video marketing, you can learn the best about the best gear for beginners, um, strategies to help your business get going on video, etc. So I'm here for you, essentially. So what is this special episode about? Well, I had a delve into the previous episodes archive. Um, and picked out some of the best video tips that I think can really help people um, in whatever they're doing. So it may be a filming technique tip, or it may be a marketing thing, maybe tools and tricks that they use. Um, Hopefully you'll get something from it because it's almost like a selection box of the best stuff So, or the most, you know, the most useful, valuable stuff. I should say, if you want to check out the show notes of this, uh, that will be at videotalks.co forward slash 23. It's episode 23. Um, If you want to connect on Instagram, um, I'm at videotalkspodcast and also andy.greenhouse. And I'm on LinkedIn, Andy Greenhouse. So would love to connect there if you're around. Um, so yeah, well, let's get into it. The, um, the first interview that I did was with, uh, Tom Box, who co-founded an animation studio called Blue Zoo. Um, and they have absolutely smashed it over the last 20 years. They started 20 years ago. So he had, um, a really interesting kind of rise to, you know, where they are now. Uh, they they produce a phenomenal amount of work for a huge variety of clients, but they started just the three of them in a in a room animating some characters, some blobby yellow characters for CBBS. So here's Tom talking about some of his video tips. So Tom, uh, this podcast is called Video Talks. So please, could you give our audience an insight of how moving image is working for you and your business? I think one of the best things about animation is that it starts with a complete blank canvas, where versus if you're just doing uh, filming with a camera, you've always got to use what exists. Where with animation, it allows you to be, you know, as creative as your mind is. 
uh, and that allows you to explain concepts very easily or it allows you to go places that budgets might not be able to afford so it's this complete creative flexibility that allows communication in its purest form and that's what's i, I think so uh advantageous for going down more of an animated route if compared to all other options yeah i suppose in animation anything's possible and that's the beauty of it yeah totally and that's what's really exciting about being involved especially from the first step when you're pitching for projects uh it's really exciting time to be because there's very few restrictions so you can go anywhere and, and for a creative that's that's what you want you want to you don't want to be too limited you also need some guidance but uh you want to be able to uh, try and make every project different in some way and obviously you're known for a lot of children's tv and character animation and you you are you're conscious to put yourself in that area um but you do a lot of work for brands and other clients so how how is that work different? Um, what I, it's, that's not really a. It's I know where you kind of what you're trying to say, and I guess because one of the problems we've had as a studio is that we make products essentially for children and uh, and adults. Uh, we would it, it's always a bit tricky because you say we make adult animation too, and that sounds like you're you're making adult porn, which is not not the case. <laughs> um, but we make. Um, we make animation for all ages is a, is a easier way of saying it. Um, but one of the problems with that is market positioning because people start to know you as a children's TV company when essentially we make animation for, for everyone. We do a lot of work for, with like BBC Sport, for example, like when we did all of their um, rugby league uh, branding. And uh, so we've really, uh, as a company, tried to position ourselves as making uh characterful bold energetic cg animation for anyone so we we have a niche that covers all the different bases that before it was getting that bit kind of conflicted message so it's kind of trying to distill what we do to a level that works across all the different things but is easy to to understand yeah well i did i, I know the rugby league work that you were talking about is amazing and uh, very different style very do, do you work with are all your uh, character designers in-house you you pull in people for specific reasons or not we i mean we love collaboration and we don't want to and have tried very hard not to have a house style because from a business perspective it's it's very dangerous to have a house style because trends come and go very quickly mm -hmm. and if you've got a, a style that becomes a bit passe and a bit last year, then the phone stopped ringing very quickly. So we've always tried to to, ha to have a very flexible approach to styles. And also, we don't want to do the same style again and again because that would just become a bit monotonous and, and really is the opposite of what creativity is about. So we've always try to push our, our in-house artists to come up with different styles to challenge them and push them out of their comfort zone. But also we do collaborate with our illustrators because I think bringing in fresh ideas is very healthy for teams. So it's really a bit of a mixture of the two, but ultimately we always try and do something a little bit different for every single project that comes along because it works well for us. It keeps our staff motivated, motivated and it works well for our client that we're not giving them the same thing we've just given for another brand the week before. Brilliant. Okay, so this is the 
the scrub forward round. So this is a quick fire round. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this one is so first question. Video nasty. What's the worst habit you see people practice in animation? Um, obsession, not letting something go and moving on. What's what techniques and software would you advise people starting out in animation to check out? There's so much free software out there. Uh, if you're an animator, just download Blender and then give it a go. Uh, the worst thing to do is just uh, put it off by wondering what software to use. Just get anything, get started, and you could easily switch. Just just get started and and get experimenting. And don't. It's not about the software or tools. It's uh, it's about you and the creativity and the practice and time you put into it. Okay, so play, pause, stop. One thing you always do, one thing you sometimes do, one thing you should never do. One thing I always do is uh, every morning in my journal, plan my day ahead and work out what I've got to get done. Otherwise, I don't get anything done. Sometimes do. I don't look... I don't look at other people's work enough, which I'm always gutted to do because as a creative, you know, it's it's all about getting inspiration and I don't have enough time to watch other people's work and always want to. And what should you or people never do? Never be negative. Always find a positive. The world's too negative as it is. And I think it's, it's uh, lazy. There's easy ways to find positivity in most things, not all things, but... Uh, I always find that say something positive or don't bother saying it. Attitude of gratitude, right? And the, as the Americans yes. would say. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Um, do you have one secret animation tip? Watch lots of bad animation as well as good animation and always try and work out how you would have made it better because that's there's only one route to being very good and that's being able to critique your own work and it's very hard to do that sometimes when you're very close to it so the more you can practice at working out how to fix other people's projects the better you can get your own job so that was tom box from blue zoo there are some brilliant uh, other tips in his episode which is episode two if you go back to episode two um on the video talks podcast there are there are great tips for how he runs his company and how he treats his staff and you know the culture behind the company and how that has really helped them grow so it's a really worthwhile uh, episode to go back and listen to if you haven't already listened to it it's really full of um if you own a business it's it's brilliant for that so next up we've got uh, Lou Ford who is um a Hollywood editor essentially she started as um a magazine features writer um, and retrained essentially as a as an editor, a trainee editor on independent shorts, and then moved up to features. Um, and her big break was editing a film called The Witch, which came out, I believe, in two thousand fifteen. Um, and since then, naturally, her career has skyrocketed, and she's currently on editing duties for Robert Eggers' uh, film that's in production. So here's Lou with some of her editing tips. It's really hard to talk about. But it's a collaboration yeah, it's like, as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's collaboration. But what I'm, what I'm saying, what's hard to talk about is that why you 
do things the way you do. Like, why does Robert Eggers write the scripts that he writes? Why do I edit in a certain way? It's a culmination of your all your sort of life experiences, what you're into, what floats your boat, what feels right, rhythm-wise or, or whatever. But I love that you said that. Thank you. When I look back on it, I remembered watching all these movies you know, from the 70s when I was a kid, they would be on TV in England, right? In in the evening or whatever, whenever they probably in the afternoons, actually. And it would be like Dog Day Afternoon, Bonnie and Clyde, Serpico. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the other ones? Reds. And, you know, I was like, I love these movies. I just love these movies. Why? You know, it's not the same director. It's not the same writer. It's not the same actors all the time. What is it? And then I realized it was the same editor. This oh, woman, really? This woman called Dee Dee Allen, who is uh, not around anymore, mm. unfortunately. But, yeah, she – that editing of Bonnie and Clyde um, when they get shot at the end, and it's all the fast editing cuts, she, uh, she sort of saw that in the French New Wave, is it? I'm not a student of film, so I get mixed up mm. between the French New Wave and Italian yeah. – neorealism i guess i don't because i just said them both as separate things but anyway um, (laughs) yeah she was an amazing editor and you look at those movies they don't it's not like they have the same editing style but i think at least i like to think that what you're when you and other people have said i can see your style in or can feel it's you in it in there is the same kind of thing that i got from those movies which i i couldn't actually tell you what it was but i know that i just liked them all and I felt an emotional connection to those. I'm not claiming this for the films. I, I'm not saying it's the same for mm. my editing, but with her editing, you know, what I realized is I was so involved in those movies when I was watching them. I really cared about the protagonists, you know, I really cared about, I really cared when Serpico opened the door and some guy shot him in the head. I was like, Oh, you know, it's like, Oh no, such a nice guy, you know? And, I really cared about what these characters were going through. And I think that um, what I realized about editing when I was doing it that I didn't know before is how much control you have over the actor's performance. Like, so something about her instinct with choosing a take to, to make you feel, you know, feel the way she wants to make you feel feel the director want actually the director wants at the end of the day but she's servicing the director you know you want to feel you want people to feel connected to these to the film otherwise they just turn it off you know you wouldn't care about what Mm. happened but i'm digressing but a huge part for me a huge part of editing is is choosing takes choosing performance takes you know you know like when if you talk about the lighthouse and uh you know, Willem's performance or, I mean, every take was good. Don't get me wrong, you know. And probably it wouldn't have made any difference which take I chose with him because they would still have said his performance is amazing. But definitely things can go wrong if you, if people don't feel connected, it's because maybe because the takes you've chosen going through scene by scene by scene to the end don't feel like they're part of a, doesn't feel part of a coherent emotional arc. Okay. Um, okay. So, video nasty. What's the worst habit that you see people practice in editing? Well, here's the thing. You see, I could tell you what I don't like, and then I'll see a movie that uses that technique, and it'll be brilliant. You know, 
So I don't think there is any. I don't think there are any rules. That's what you want. That's a if fair, it fits the story. That's yeah. a fair answer. I like that. Yeah. But I mean, if you're saying is there something that annoys me, if there's something that I'm constantly going, oh, why do they do that? I tell you what it is, actually. It is too much edit, too much cutting. Unmotivated. Okay, here's my answer. Unmotivated editing. That's what annoys me. How do, you define, how, how do you define unmotivated editing? I don't want to sound like a film snob, but I'm going to sound like a film snob when I say this. It happens a lot in TV. You know, one of the differences between TV and film editing for me is you shoot, uh, I don't know, four different angles in a scene. You shoot, you know, there's two people in a room. You shoot the wide shot. You shoot the mid shot, maybe. You do a two shot with the two of them and you do like a close-up of this person, close-up of this person. So you've got one, two, three, four, maybe five shots. You don't have to use them all. Just because you've shot them, you don't have to use them all. So you're very often in a scene where it's like close-up, close-up, wide shot, we'll go to the two shot, and then we'll go to the close-up again. And then we'll, Why? Because you've got them. <laughs> you know, like one of the things you would have noticed on the lighthouse, it's not like I made a choice because he didn't shoot. They call it coverage. You know, you cover every angle, so you've got all the options of performance, which which is brilliant for an editor in some respects. If you've got like a weak performer or something, then you might need to, you know, I don't know. There's a feeling in the industry that people have a low attention span. Therefore, you have to keep their interest by cutting. And that to me is unmotivated cutting. You should only, I mean, this is a Dee Dee Allen thing, actually. She always said, don't cut until you have to. That's, you should only really cut when you need to cut. Otherwise, don't, because every single time you make an edit, you are interrupting the mental, the mental connection that I'm having watching of thing. It, it gets interrupted, so you have to have a good reason for that. Um, give us one secret editing tip. It's not really secret, but when I learnt it, it, it was like, oh, it's like, oh, of course. It's a very boring actual technical thing, but if you're if you're cut, if you're making an edit halfway through an action, you can uh, go one frame at a time but over the cut, mm. and you know my hands here. Next edit is there. It's perfect, perfect. And then you play it, and it feels wrong. It's three frames. You have to add three frames to the right side of the edit. So in other words, you repeat the frames, and then when you play it in real time, it's it's seamless. So that was Lou Ford talking about her editing techniques. You can check out her work um, in The Witch or The Lighthouse, um, to name but two. And she's also just currently working on The Northman, Robert Eggers's, uh, if that's how you say it, uh, current production. So, yeah, brilliant episode, that one. It's all about her kind of career and how she kind of pivoted at a late a later stage in her life to do something she always um felt like she wanted to do and she just nailed it so uh she's doing amazing okay so next up is uh, Jeff Searle um I spoke to Jeff earlier this year about his 3D audio project that he's doing but also uh about his kind of filmmaking 
process and if he had any advice. I went through the scenario that I had because I live by the sea in Brighton in the UK. Um, I had a kind of scenario that just came to me of of like a paddleboard company. So that puts it in context. So how could essentially how could a paddleboard company uh, use video? Um, and we're and we're gonna be international in three years, Good and on. we're gonna be with the biggest paddleboard retailer in the That's world. That's a pretty big paddleboard. It's pretty good. What can I do? Well, video is something that is vital, especially to to get international. People need to. Sorry, this sounds this sounds crap. <laughs> you're going to cut that first section out. Video is something you need to do because you got to like uh, you know get international with the video. No, <laughs> just get it going international, like you know what I mean. Um, so. Uh, so the obvious is you've got everything from your your social media where you would you know start pushing videos out that could be is and every video that you make for your pedalboard company needs to be needs to stand out be different needs to feel like it's something that it needs to grab people's attention and it needs to grab their emotions because like I was saying at the beginning with feature films you've got to get a, you've got to get an emotion out of someone when you make a video um and whether that emotion is comedy or um or fear or excitement or whatever it is if you get someone to feel that they're going to more likely to remember you um and it's about taking something that's relatable as well it can't be too out there it's got if you take an event that someone's or homage to something that people recognize and then you twist it and make your own first of all you need strong branding sorry as in like if you have a strong brand guideline and make sure that the videos can fit in within that. That goes without saying, but but it's it's important because you could just alienate an audience if it goes in the wrong direction. Um, if we're talking about branding, how do you connect video to that strong branding? Well, first of all, it's understanding what people that buy your product want, product want, and want to see, and what they like, and what they enjoy, and giving a video that appeals to that sort of individual. Um, and often when you give a bad idea, I mean, the thing about brainstorming is you go through the rubbish ideas, but you might, and it's important to listen to people's brainstorms. If someone gives feedback for an idea or gives some ideas, even if that idea in, in your mind, you think, God, that's rubbish. Nothing is rubbish because it could trigger just one element of that idea this get, for example, that idea is really bad. One element could be the nugget that inspires a really good idea. So never shoot down anyone's ideas and just let your ideas flow. Um, if you're a, a paddleboard company, well, people like maybe keeping fit. So it could be something that's related, a video. Maybe it could be a series of ways to keep fit on your paddleboard videos. So it could be a little mini series that goes on YouTube and social media or Instagram stories um, that is how to, um, or, or technique could be a technique training video, but it's all within your brand guidelines. So it helps you, um, promote your brand to that person. And so they, if that video feels like your brand, they will associate your brand with that product. So if they get something good out of it, they'll rather go to you 
It's about getting in their minds. It's getting in someone's mind as they have to use you or they remember you when they're thinking of paddleboard. And that comes with strong branding and also um, just exposure to your, your name. And you can hear more from Jeff on episode four, which is uh, videotalks.co forward slash, I think it's Jeff. I'll check that. But uh, it's either Jeff or forward slash four. But just go to videotalks.co and you'll find out uh, more there. He also did the world's first one-man film. So there's plenty in there. Um, it's a quite a funny interview as well. So check that out. Okay, so I hope you're enjoying these interview snippets so far. Um, the next one is from uh, episode five, which is an interview with Will Shears. Will is a 24-year-old documentary filmmaker who has been very proactive since graduating about a year and a half ago. Um, he's currently on a boat, I believe, filming a documentary about a girl who is sailing across the Atlantic. Um, and it's not, it's not any an ordinary story. It's a quite incredible story. Um, so we'll look out for that uh, when he gets back. But in the meantime, uh, I spoke to him uh, about what do you do about a film that you've kind of you've you've shot and you've edited and you've kind of let sit on the shelf. So he just had a little bit of a an answer for that. How would somebody in a similar position who maybe they've got a they've got a film sitting there, um, perhaps they've only done one cut of it. Perhaps they've done a couple. How would you go about how how what would you advise those people to do next if they want to kind of push this film a bit further? Well, first of all, I think the like the first cut. Like I remember being told this with the documentary and someone being like, You've done your first cut, like that's the best that's the most important step of doing the whole project. So if you've got to like the first cut, you're so close there to finishing it but you can't let the first cut trick you into thinking oh it's done and I think that's what probably a lot of people do um, and that's why it's sort of you can sort of be quite disappointed when it when a project comes out and no one's engaging with it um, and I think it, like the best thing is to sh show that cut to a few friends don't show it to all your friends because you need to show later cuts to them and you need to show your later cuts to people who haven't seen the project because you don't want to show the same stuff to the same person because they're going to be bought. Like if the first cut's not very good, they're not going to want to watch it again. You don't really want to bore them. Um, so like, realise that, oh, okay, I need to move on. And maybe have a month's break. Um, but then coming back to it, you do need to be obsessed with it, but you don't want it to just be your whole life. You want to have other things going on at the moment at that time because that will give you a different approach on it. And you'll come back sat at that computer and being like, oh, because I had that conversation. It makes me look at that scene in the documentary in a different way. And uh, give us one secret filmmaking tip. Oh, I love to not, if I'm, so if, if you're making a documentary and you want to get like the real honest reaction from someone, um, then don't let them know anything about that question. They might want to see a few questions that like you maybe, You've managed to get like that ideal interview with someone, 
and they've asked for you to send in those questions and you've got one interview question that you don't want them to know because you want to see their full honest like answer to it um and i think that that is such a good thing to do is sort of to keep sort of information away from someone and don't feel like you need to give it like just because someone's saying oh what are you going to ask me i need to know i need to know but you can say well actually it's sometimes best for you not to know everything i'm going to ask you and just explain it like it's not hiding info but it can mean that you can get that really honest response because that's that first time that they're thinking about the question on camera and you get like that lovely sort of emotional response and i think that's a really good tip okay so episode six and seven were with hasraf has who is uh, a director who started in short films he started in vfx actually and then he started to create his own short films um and then he took the leap uh, to start to make feature films and his journey is one of being incredibly resourceful and thinking outside of the box. He's used every trick in the book that he can think of or he can kind of think around a problem. Um, and he's just going great guns. He's currently making uh, virtual productions, virtual animations, and um, doing really amazingly at it. And he's a genius at self-promotion. So it is an excellent uh, interview to listen to. So that's in two parts. That's six and seven. Here he shares um, some of his best marketing tips. So Project Kronos was, you said that it, you know, it achieved a, a good kind of virality online, right? Sure. Um, do you have any sort of marketing tips for filmmakers out there? Absolutely. First off, the big thing is a lot of filmmakers I meet forget that marketing is part of the filmmaking process. You know, a lot of filmmakers, oh yeah, I made my film, but I'm not really good into that marketing. I made it, but I haven't released it yet. It's like the whole idea of you making your movie is so that the world sees your movie. And if the world sees your movie, you're going to continue making films. Okay. Now marketing, you don't need to hire a PR agency to do your marketing. All the marketing I did was myself. And it's so simple. You just go to a website. Like, for example, Project Kronos, I reached out to Wired. I reached out to Geek Tyrant. And they say, listen, I've just done this short film. Love for you to check it out. Check out the trailer first. Never send them the whole short film because that's a lot of commitment for someone to do. Send them a trailer, like a 30-second to a 60-second trailer to tease and say, this will be a great fit as content for your website. And I'm willing to write an article for you about the making of. And as we all know, you know, websites need content publications need content so for you to say i'll write an article in return you get to you know showcase my film it's a win-win situation so that's the number one you've got to put in the work don't expect to send your film and then people are going to go and write articles for you unless you're like a big hotshot director it's a different thing so you know like for origin unknown obviously i did there wasn't so much of that because obviously i'd established myself and it was a bigger film but i still find when you reach out to podcast or reach out to filmmaking website, like for the beyond, it was huge because there was a massive story about an independent filmmaker using black magic cameras to make an entire feature film. And at that point, there had never been a feature film made using the black magic cameras. So for black magic, that was a huge PR spin, which I tapped onto. And then there was Adobe because I use Adobe stock. So Adobe stock came in and said, Hey, you know, this is a feature film using a lot of Adobe stock. So it really is, don't don't blast your film out to, by doing a big scattergun approach. That will never work. 
be specific on who you target. It's better to target three to four really specific websites that have a huge following of the subject of your film, as opposed to targeting a thousand websites, because you're not going to get that same traction. And has also had some great advice about uh, shooting. One thing you should never do is not have a plan. That's what I always say. Do not go into something without a plan. Like, even before you go into a meeting, have a friggin' plan. Like, when you're going on a film shoot, have a plan, whether it's storyboards or shot lists. Now, you can storyboard the hell out of your film, but when you turn up on the day, it's okay to throw away the plan and make it up if you want to. But you can't make stuff up without going with a plan in the first place. Because here's the thing, this planning and prepping isn't just for you, it's for everyone else on the film set. And it's so much better to say, hey guys, I came with a plan today, which you've all seen to show how prepped I am. But also on this scene, we're going to wing the hell out of it because we're just going to go improv. Your crew are going to respect that and go, yeah, okay. You know, he did come with a plan, so he can wing this bit. I think it's important to have that. So you should never go in without a plan, whether it's a meeting, a film shoot or anything. I agree. Brilliant. <laughs> um, okay. Give us one secret animation tip. Or VFX One secret anim- tip. I, I would say, um, I'll give an animation tip because I'm currently in an animation project. I would say if you're stuck on the way something is moving and look, get your iPhone, put it on the desk and act it out. No one else is going to see it apart from you. You'll be surprised the thing that was bugging you on the animation is usually something that's a subtle nuance that you can't animate without seeing a reference. Like, you know, we're doing a scene at the moment where the guy's screaming and I'm telling the animators, I want it to scream like this. It's got to be, I'm giving all this, like, I don't know, I'm giving a lot of context. Like, you know, he's angry. He's lost his, he's lost his wife. He wants revenge and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, but what's that look like? What's that? And you just end up saying like this. And then when I'm filming it, they're going frame by frame and seeing all the nuance in my cheek. That saves days or weeks of going backwards and forwards. So a tip is whatever you're animating, look in a mirror or film it on your phone as a reference. You don't need to show people, but as long as you've got something to look at, because it's the subtleties is what makes animation what it is today. That was Hazraf Hazdalal, and that was from episode six and seven, um, which you can find uh, on videotalks.co forward slash has, I believe, or it could be forward slash seven, but you'll find it on there. He also has a course, uh, which is called science fiction filmmaking um, and it's a very reasonable price and it's quite different, I think. So all the details are on that episode. So um, one more for this session um, and this comes from episode eight. This was with Chris Evans-Roberts, who is the CEO and founder of Ithaca Audio, who is, um, it's, it's a basically a, an audio company uh, but they do a lot of video as well. So it's a kind of more AV marriage, really. And they do these amazing light shows as well all around the country. Um, so we chatted on the beach in Brighton. So hence the background noise. Um, okay, stop, pause, play. Yep. One thing you always do, one you sometimes do, one you should never do. Something always do is try and uh, formulate a plan, have an end goal in mind, um, rather than just dive into things. 
sometimes do experiment it's i think it's really good just to take a step back from how you're how you're producing your work and look at different ways um you can do things look at look at new technologies how you can break things how you can make things do do things that they're not intended to do um uh, to come up with interesting results something never do <laughs> put things off i think starting out in any industry you can say well in a year's time when when my skills were a bit better or i saved up and i've got this piece of equipment or um or you know i've moved into this new studio or all these things there, there are always a lot of excuses for for why you're not kind of taking that leap into into doing doing what you want to be doing and usually you can you can look at what you've got and um think about the most most interesting thing that you can do at that point in time with what you've got and 99 of the time that's enough uh, okay give us one secret audio tip think about the audio from the start <laughs> think uh is from any process and if that's film you know thinking about the quality of location recording um if, like this <laughs> yeah, yeah um and i mean just 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 things like i've worked on projects where someone hasn't held a boom mic properly throughout an entire shoot and you just go okay well there's an awful lot of work to be done just to bring this up to a standard where you can sort of get to the creative parts of the job rather than um, rather than fixing issues and stuff like that. And that's not that's not to do with expensive equipment and things like that. That's just to just to do with you know, planning and careful forethought into into different areas. Well, that is a good tip. Like, don't fix it in post. <laughs> Do it yeah. in yeah, definitely. real life. Do it in real life. Well, thanks so much to my guests again. Um, Chris Evans-Roberts, Will Shears, Jeff Searle, Tom Box, Hazraf Dalal and Lou Ford. Um, on the next session, there'll be another selection of, the, uh, of some really useful tips uh, that we'll be delving into with... My other guests, I mean, if you if you don't want to listen to that and you just want to listen to the full episodes, then that's brilliant. Um, would love it if you could hit subscribe and then we can keep these episodes coming in. We've got some brilliant interviews coming up. Um, and it's just, I've, I just feel privileged to talk to all these people. So I'm really uh, pleased that you can join me for these interviews. Um, so let me know what you think of the the podcast as well in the reviews um if you can leave us a review that would be amazing and don't forget to check out the show notes at videotalks.co follow us on instagram video talks podcast and me andy greenhouse andy.greenhouse on instagram um and it would be great to see you next time so hit that subscribe button please We'll also be running some of these on YouTube, um, so look out for that. And all that's left for me to say is thanks very much for joining me, and I'll see you on the next Video Talks. Cheers. Cheers.